So this morning, if you do have your Bible with you or you've got your app, your phone app, get it ready because we're going to open it up and read together in a few moments. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to go there in a few moments. Before we do, it's the season of Lent in the Christian calendar where we spend time zeroing in on the journey where Jesus went from, it's very interesting actually, because he goes from the highest uh, like spiritual moment. He's on the top of the mountain. He's being transfigured. Um, some of the disciples are there and they're going like, this is amazing. Elijah is with him. A Moses is turned up for the occasion. It's a complete like, spirit spiritual you know high point and all of a sudden you know peter and the guys who are there they're like what should we do let's build tents let's try and make this moment last forever this is the high point as far as it goes and then jesus after that moment well the father speaks from from the heavens and he speaks over jesus and it's very interesting because moses is there representing the the, uh, the original covenant of relationship with God. Elijah is there as the, the Old Testament prophet of all prophets. It's like if it gets any more pure than the, than the law, or it's Moses. Or you can't get any more pure than the prophetic voice than Elijah. They're there with Jesus and the Father says, Now, this is my son, Jesus. Listen to him now. Listen to him. It's a, it's a, it's a direct shift from God. To say, hey, listen, you need to listen to Jesus now because he's fulfilling everything that these two have historically brought of the revelation of my love. Now, very interesting though is, so the whole spiritual moment passes and there is Jesus with his disciples and he says this very interesting um, focus point. He says, right, the Son of Man must be crucified die and on the third day raise again, rise again and from that moment from the top of the mountain from that moment he makes this declaration and then he goes straight to Jerusalem to his crucifixion so like whoa hang on a minute <laughs> let's go back and stay on the mountain a little longer no no Jesus understood his purpose he understood his message he understood what he was bringing of the father's kingdom and that meant a journey to the cross so that he could overcome the powers of darkness, break the power of sin and death in the earth, set people free from the power of sin and death, and establish the kingdom of God. So Lent is this time where we sort of concentrate a little bit for a few weeks on this journey from the mountaintop to the cross. And often we don't particularly like that because it means we have to deal with you know some of the heavier themes of life like why god this thing called suffering why this thing called pain why this thing called brokenness and human relationships that are difficult why this thing called sickness and yet all the way from the mountaintop to the cross jesus addresses that all the way broken relationships and marriages and workplace ethics and deliverance ministry and confrontation of spiritual power and opposition everything that there is to be confronted jesus addresses it on the way to the cross you see god is inviting everyone to zero in on what jesus has done on the cross and that's what the lent 
journey is about. And we'll concentrate on that when we read the scripture in a few moments' time. One of the things that I have sincerely missed over this last 18 months, or not quite 18 months, but we're getting close to it now, is just going to the movies. <laughs> I've, I, I realised the other night when I was sitting at home watching a movie, I realised I have missed going to the movies. Just getting some popcorn, you know, sitting in the cinema, usually getting the upgrades, you know, go the big popcorn, go the big drink, get the ice cream cone, and then just allow myself to get swept up in the movie that is at hand, the story that's in front of me. And look at love getting caught up in the characters and, and all that's going on. And I didn't realise how much I missed this until I watched, stumbled across this movie the other night on TV. And it's an old movie now, but at the time I thought it was like, oh, it's so awesome. It was The Matrix with Keanu Reeves. Did anyone else stumble across that one? I stumbled across that one the other night. And as I'm watching The Matrix, I'm just like, yes. And I got swept up and into the story of what was being presented before me. And before I know it, I'm no longer sitting in my lounge room chair, no longer, I am like in the movie with the characters. I'm feeling what the characters are feeling. I'm learning to think and experience what the, what the, what the characters are thinking and experiencing and the themes of the movie. It's an amazing trilogy. In fact, there's a fourth one that's in the making for anyone that might be interested. But anyways, if you are, stay tuned. But it's a science fiction movie and the main character is a guy called Neo and he's living this very ordinary life as a computer programmer but he felt something was just not quite right. Something was just not quite right about the reality that he was living in. Something was missing. There was an element of an essential truth that was missing. And then he was contacted by a mysterious person called Morpheus through this thing called the internet. And uh, he claimed to know truth. Now, when Neo finally meets him in person, Mor Morpheus gives him a choice of two pills. And you may, if you've seen the movie, it's a great scene. Morpheus hands out, holds out to him two pills. And basically, he says, if you want to just go back to the everyday, ordinary life that you're living in, um, just take the blue pill and you'll wake up as if this encounter never happened and you'll just be on about the existence as you've known it. But, he says, if you take the red pill, if you take the red pill, you will be opened up to a whole new life. You will start to see what's really going on behind the mundane and the unseen world and you will start to see the interplay and uh, so anyways he has a bit of a think about it he chooses the red pill and then he has this sort of deliverance process where all of a sudden his mind starts to get filled with what seems like hallucinations but he's actually waking up to reality and truth and he gets delivered out from the numbness of his everyday life and he comes alive to being able to see what's really going on both for him as a human being and all around him and he's learning how to contend with all the artificial intelligence that's trying to drive reality that's an interesting one now how prophetic was that <laughs> as a statement at the time but anyways but there is a real truth to which most people in the world are oblivious 
There's, there's a truth that most people don't see. And it's, it's hard sometimes when the truth arrives because it's often inconvenient. And it means we have to let go of what we once knew to be able to actually engage with what is. It was a powerful movie, and it was a movie that framed up this incredible story. Lent, what's, what's the Matrix got to do with Lent, you might be asking? <laughs> well, Lent is an invitation to reframe your life in the story of God's redeeming love through Jesus. To allow your life to be reframed by the redeeming love of God in Jesus. God is powerfully calling and reaching and breaking through to the hearts of people everywhere. He's reframing people's lives. He's trying to reframe yours as well and mine in Jesus. I've already forgotten how to use this. Look at that. <laughs> He's reframing our lives. This week, I'm probably sure most of us in the room at some point somewhere in some conversation or even in our you know, viewing of the news, we were witness to a rather famous couple having an interview on television. And that person, these, uh, these people were interviewed by a famous person who's uh, well known for their interviewing on television. And one of the interesting questions was from the interviewer to the individuals was this. Tell us your truth. Tell us your truth. This was a very interesting moment because that person then went on to share their truth. They shared their experience, their particular perspective on a certain series of circumstances. They shared their truth. Now, following the sharing of their truth, or their version of the events of the reality as they perceived it. Following all of this, the world has been discussing whose truth is true. Whose truth is true. And it's very sad and it's very telling when the world is so fixated on our individual story being the central truth to our own life. It's a very sad and telling story that we're so caught and so consumed with our own story being the central story of our life. At Lent, we are invited by God to reframe our life and reorientate our heart and recenter our daily goings and comings in the context of the bigger, more true, more real story of Jesus, God, his kingdom come. Lent ushers us into this story of God as we bring our pain and identify with Jesus' pain. When Jesus had to deal with all of the things from the mountaintop to the cross, all of those difficult conversations and experiences and painful moments. As we identify with his journey and his pain, our pain makes sense. When he suffers, our suffering 
makes sense. And in his crucifixion, our life is crucified there with him. And in his resurrection, our life is given purpose once again. Lent is an amazing opportunity by God to draw us into this powerful invitation to make sense of every painful human relationship, make sense of every struggle for physical health in our bodies, to walk through and beyond the challenges of our mental health and our anxious hearts. How do we do this? How do we make sense of re-entering the story of God? Well, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, he does a great um, little... um, bit of conversation here with the with the church in Corinth let me there we go so 1 Corinthians 15 not all of it's on the screen there but let me just give you a little backdrop Paul's writing to one of his earlier church plants and this church it's it's been a powerhouse when it comes to the things of the spirit it's also been a powerhouse in regards to human brokenness it's just like it's like wherever there's great moves of God there's great sin at hand where there's no moves of God, everyone's not even willing to acknowledge that there's sins at hand. But where there is a great move of God, there is sin manifesting. Because God's confronting it with his love and his life and his power. It's a, it's a really rough church, but gee, it's a great church. It's alive. It's driven by the Holy Spirit's presence and gifts. And everyone's learning to have a crack and a red-hot go at following King Jesus as the center of their story together. Um, There's lots of addicts among them. There's lots of broken human behavior. But it's a church that is also constantly, I I think this is interesting, it's constantly having to contend and combat the ongoing agenda of so many people and influencers and teachers and people who are um, propagating all sorts of alternative spiritual practices, dogmas and life. And it's a church that's having to like, contend with this all the time, all the time. It's a church that's almost walked away from its, its centralised teaching and truths. And Paul, as is, is their planting pastor, he speaks back to them from another location. He writes back to them to help them to make the journey. He actually even has to defend himself. This is really interesting. Paul's actually like... The, the church has moved so far away from even Paul as, as recognising, hey, he was the guy that planted this thing and I think maybe he has some truth to bear. They'd moved so far away and adopted all this sort of stuff. Paul had to actually even defend himself a little bit to this church. But Paul here is reframing their lives into the story of Jesus. Verse 1 of 15 reads, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, And then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. 
Then he appeared to James and then to the apostles. And then last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. That's how Paul talks about his conversion experience. He was abnormally born into the king, kingdom of God. But let's just have a quick little look here about reframing our lives. You see, Paul is encouraging the church to have their life reframed, reorientated and centralised on the reality of Jesus doing a few things, who he is and a few things that he's done. Now, we live in a time in a, in a world where literally everyone is shouting in words, in actions, in human philosophies, worldviews, and, and they're demonstrating a desperation to have powerful uh, a powerful life that has legitimate purpose. We see it all over the place. The world is yelling for legitimate purpose. And what that yelling tells us is something. It tells us that the world and in the individuals within are looking for a life that is orientated, that has perspective, that has a centralised point, that has a, a, a point from which they both launch into the world and find security in the world. The story of our world and our times in which we live sees people trying to reframe that with their own thinking. With our own thinking. The reframing of human sexuality over the last couple of years is just it's massive. And it's so fast. And it's changed. I can't, I literally have to work at keeping up with the speed of change and language with regards to understanding human sexuality as culture is trying to tell us the framework of how that looks and works. I'm having to work really hard to keep up with that. It's happening so fast. And I'm finding myself in so many public conversations and private conversations about this that I'm, that, that's part of my job. I have to keep figuring out what... What do they mean when they say this? How do they see life through that lens? We're living at a time where reframing of human sexuality or gender theory or human relationships have all been a major cultural conversation and it's being adopted and rejected just as quickly as it's being invented. It's being adopted and rejected constantly. It just keeps moving. And it's into this context that you and I and the good news of Jesus and his kingdom is coming. Scott McKnight would say it like this. He says, our world's marked by isolation, fragmentation, transience, privacy, consumerism, power, complacency, alienation, suspicion and a host of other idolatries. I think in this season one of the things that uh, has been really interesting is that people have um, um, found it very easy to fall into the powers of a life being framed by isolation and confuse that with an invitation from God to intimacy. Into this reality, as Jesus' people, you and I are called to live a better, bigger, more powerful, reframed existence. You are called to this. You're not called to shy away from culture in this moment. You're not called to shout at it. 
You are called to bring the love of the good news of a life that's framed by Jesus and his kingdom into the world in which you're living. Jesus is the one who is the fullness of the expression both of God and a human being fully alive to God. It's a mystery. We haven't been able to solve that one yet. The councils of the church through the ages, they've just had to put that tension into mystery. They say, yep, he's fully God and he's fully human. But it's Jesus who is true, a true human being. And his invitation to you and me this Lent is to let go of our truth, to let go of my truth and allow our lives to be orientated by Jesus as truth, a dead to sin and alive to God. Paul encourages them to a few little things. He says, first of all, things of first importance. There we go. It's an interesting word, that first, first importance. Now, he, he basically was saying, hey guys, when I got to you the first time, have you forgotten the first thing I said to you? Because they've gone so far and are getting pushed and swayed and moved by all sorts of forces and cultural activities and religious practices. He's like, hey guys, have you forgotten the first thing I said to you when I first got to you? First importance. Essential stuff. The real guts of the matter, the core gear, the thing that you're going to make, and he uses this word, take your stand on. In other words, what are you going to literally put yourself on? Are you going to put yourself on all of the reframing of human philosophies and ideas and things that just keep changing and shifting and moving? Or are you going to make your stand, are you going to put your life on the first thing I told you when I first got to you, which is the person of Jesus? Where are you going to make your stand, Paul's asking them. And that's a, that's a question that you and I have to ask as well. He says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sin, according to the Scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scripture. Paul reminds the Corinthians, and he's reminding us, to let their life be framed by God, framed by Jesus by Jesus' life, by Jesus' death, by Jesus' resurrection. In other words, all the other non-important stuff that you've filled your life up with, jettison it. Jettison all of it. Let it all go. All the stuff that you think is so important that you've elevated above the reframing reality of the truth of who Jesus Christ is, let it go and receive Christ and what he's done for you. This is what Paul's saying to the church. I remember the first time I took a missions trip overseas and, um, you know, I packed my bag and off I went to a third world nation. But when I, when I got partway through the trip there, I got to Bangkok and I realised I got too much gear for the next flight. <laughs> I, my, my ticket for the next flight didn't have the baggage allowance and all that sort of stuff. So I just had to like jettison all the excess, take a smaller pack and make the, make the journey. You know, jettison the unessential. If there's a word this Lent 
that God would be saying to each and every one of us, it's jettison the unessential and come into the reframed reality that the only thing you need is to securely just say thank you and I welcome the reality of God's love for me in Jesus, who has had every conversation from the mountaintop to the cross that I am actually in my lifetime going to have to navigate. Go and do that for a study for yourself. Go and take that study. Jesus will address every social topic, relationship issue, sin issue, money issue, church issue, judgment issue. He will have all of that on the way to the cross. He's had all those conversations. Place your life securely in him. And the God who has all of these conversations in Christ on the way to the cross says, I'm going to overcome and fulfill every single one of these realities by what? Not holding on to power, not grabbing the microphone, not screaming at the world, but as quiet as a lamb going to a slaughter, I am going to conquer the power of all of it so that resurrection hope can now come into God's good creation. You, that's the story you're living in. If you're not a follower of Jesus, get on board. If you're a follower of Jesus who's like, you know, because of pain and circumstance and, and, and disappointment and unmet expectations, given Jesus a sense of distance, I, I, I tell you today, give him another go. Turn away from your brokenness, bring it to him and say, here, deal with that. Deal with that for me, Jesus. If you've had every conversation from the hilltop to the cross, here, deal with my stuff too. Like step towards God. Step towards God. And I'm not talking about a theory. I'm not talking about an, uh, some sort of uh, worldview. I'm talking about a real relationship with a risen king. Meet him at the cross this Lent. In being a follower of King Jesus, we're invited to take all the stuff that we've gathered in our lives, all the relationships, all the worldviews, the practices, everything, and jettison them in the hope of receiving Jesus as Lord and King. Attitudes, behaviours, religious activities, the idols that McKnight mentioned earlier. Everything that's clouded over the priority of the first thing being the first thing, which is Jesus, jettison them. Give them to Jesus. Dallas Willard in his book, The Great Omission, says this. He challenges the reader to become aware of how over time it's very subtle and yet powerful, how we can move from a very, move very far away from the very experience of Jesus Christ when we fell in love with him and end up living in a very loveless discipleship where we've replaced love for Jesus with service to God. So the big question is, this Lent, if Jesus is inviting me to be reframed by the reality of him, and no longer my truth, but who he is as truth, am I more in love with him today than I first met him and was saved by him and entered the kingdom of God? That's the big question. Am I more in love or have I moved away? Have I woken up today and discovered that actually I've subtly moved further away from him?
Willard's calling you and me to be a people reframed by Jesus, centered on Jesus, orientated towards Jesus, flowing from a dynamic place of love for Jesus. This Lent, we contemplate again the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. The invitation from God is to once again come to him and welcome his redeeming love and power into our lives. His power to reframe your life and mine with his power and love, his forgiveness and freedom, his truth, his justice, his beauty. To reframe our life in the bigger and better story of hope through the suffering and into the resurrection. This Lent, as you contemplate Jesus going to the cross to deal with and to overcome the power of sin and death on our behalf, it is the ultimate act of sacrificial love. Let's bring our pain, let's bring our confusion, let's bring our sickness, our unforgiveness and even our unbelief. Let's bring it all, let's bring our very heart and life once again into the simplicity and the centrality of Jesus. This Lent, let your life be reframed. How do we get unstuck? How do we move forward? My invitation to you today is pretty simple, and it's the same as Paul's actually. Relook at Jesus once again. Take another look at Jesus. Not everything else that's trying to reframe your life. Take a look at Jesus. Take a big eyeful of Jesus and his journey from the mountaintop to the cross where he said time and time again, the Son of Man must be crucified, die, and on the third day rise again according to the scriptures, the long story of God in the Bible. Take a look at Jesus. Turn down the volume on your pain. You, you can do that, you know. You can, you can tell the pain, hey, I know you're there, but you don't get to tell me who I am. You know, King David said, he, he, he was spoke, had good soul talk. He talked to himself all the time. Good, healthy soul talk. Talk to yourself. Tell yourself, turn down the volume on the pain. Say, hey, you're not, you're not the Lord. Je Jesus is the Lord. You're not the Lord. I know you're there, and I know you've got a lot to say, and I know you'll want to have a lot of sway in who I am and how I go about doing life, but... I'm just going to turn you down this, this Lent. You, you, you're going you're to find your rightful place as I just turn up the volume a little bit more by looking at Jesus and not you. I'm personalising the pain. Maybe turn down the volume on all of the, the social influences that are like filling the airways right now. Turn the volume down. Just turn them down. Just turn them all down. 
You get, to t- you get to determine the volume. You get to, you get to choose what you click and flick and see. You, that's, that's all you. So you can just turn it down. Turn them down. Turn down all the cultural commentators who are yelling and telling everyone to be anxious and fearful for the end is come because of all of the choices that silly, broken human people are making in our country right now and have been making since day dot. No, 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 no. Turn it down. Don't ignore it. Turn it down and reframe your life on Jesus Christ and allow him to walk us through all of those influences and power brokers and people who think they know what's best for our life when we know it's Jesus. Simply look again at Jesus. Restore your relationship to him once again. Turn to him. Maybe this morning you've woken up and you've like Willard, you've discovered, hey, you know what? I'm a little bit further away than I was yesterday. I need to come back to you, Jesus. Turn to him. Have his redeeming love. Wash away all of the power. See, in turning to him, all of the power of the influences begins to get washed away. All the power of the sin that so easily entangles us and gets us stuck where we can't feel like we can move. It begins to break free from us. It begins to lose its power because we're orientating our life to Jesus. And in doing that, what we are saying is, I'm worshipping you, not worshipping my sin. This action in the Bible, it's called metanoia. It's called repentance. It's called think again by turning your thinking to Jesus. Think about God again. And when you've done it, do it again. Do it again, do it again, do it again. And even as the apostles said in the early chapters of the book of Acts, they said, as you do this, waves of renewal will come to your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Turn to Jesus. Simply say, man, I am so sorry that I tried to reframe my life without you. Free me once again into who you are. Renounce this is a powerhouse, this one. Renounce, like verbally renounce, partnering with you being the most important part of your story. Renounce it. Just, I choose Jesus to be the most important reality of my story. And receive him. And then go and tell someone about it. Retell others just how good how trusting and how gracious our God is. Tell them of how you've trusted him with your pain, your brokenness, your today and your future. How's your life? This Lent, God's inviting all of us to be reframed by Jesus. Get caught up in the reality of who he is as the Son of God from the mountaintop to the cross. And there on the cross, he meets us and sets us free. What a gracious, wonderful saviour, king and friend is Jesus. Let's stand and pray.
Heavenly Father, we um, just want to say, would you help us in this Lent season, this season of remembering your journey, Jesus, from the mountaintop to the cross? Would you help us, Lord Jesus, to see the beauty, the majesty, the forgiveness and the power of what a life truly looks like, alive to God, set free. We choose this morning to let our life be reframed by you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come and just touch people right now? Touch them right now. Release your power into them right now, Lord. Every framing reality that has not flowed from your kingdom, Lord, but has come from the brokenness of others, has come from the very spiritual um, darkness itself that has tried to reframe our life and hold us captive. In your name, King Jesus, would you come and break us free from those powers and influences right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every one of those powers, every one of those influences, come, Holy Spirit. Let the good news of Jesus frame our life. We speak to, in, in Jesus' name, we, we just mute, we mute, we mute. Every voice, every commentator that's releasing anxiety and fear over your lives right now in Jesus, we mute the spiritual power of that in Jesus' name. And we loose the voice of the good news of God to you. Be set free, be set free, be set free. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, it's only a couple of weeks away until we gather at Bullocky's Rest and we gather around the cross to remember you. I pray, Lord, I pray, it's my prayer that for everyone in this place and everyone that belongs to this place, they would find their life reframed in you, Jesus, and that the very conversations that they're wanting to have with you are the very conversations that you've had from the mountaintop to the cross. And you're just waiting for the opportunity to share your love with us. Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.